Good Friday afternoon, guys. My name is Jerry Miller, and this is the I Love Seville Show. Thank you kindly for joining us on a crisp and cool Friday afternoon in downtown Charlottesville. Take a look at the screen right now and look at the headlines we're going to cover. A handful of these headlines influenced by valued viewers and listeners. Viewers and listeners that not only contribute to the show with their perspective, but say, Jerry, perhaps you should cover this topic, and I weave it legitimately into the program. All we want to do is be the water cooler of conversation, of chitter-chatter in Central Virginia, in Charlottesville, and in Albemarle County. We don't care how the content is originated. We just want it here. I'll give some props to the Charlottesville Police Department. Be the change you want to see. Join the Charlottesville Police Department. Join Mike Cotches' team. Join the brave men and women in blue. Open positions in the Charlottesville Police Department that need to be filled so this community can continue to remain safe and move forward. We champion the police in this community. We call them heroes. Mike Cotches in the Charlottesville Police Department. Judah Wickower, two shot. Let's weave in. Jay Dubs, let's weave in. The director and producer, let's weave in one of the most eligible bachelors in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Good Friday afternoon, Judah. Your favorite day of the week is, is it Friday? I'd probably have to say Saturday. Oh, your favorite day of the week is a non-work day? I understand that. What's your favorite day of the work week? Friday's Friday's probably got to hold that that honor. My favorite day of the work week, you know what day that is for me? Monday. I love Mondays. I love to work. I love to grind. I love what we do here. The first lower third, let's put on screen. Zyanna Bryant, the Charlottesville activist. Years ago, Zyanna Bryant and Dr. Wes Bellamy stood behind a podium in what was then Robert E. Lee Park in downtown Charlottesville. And Zyanna Bryant, who was still in high school at the time, explained to viewers that were watching her from podium side and the many media there that the Robert E. Lee statue made her feel angry, uncomfortable, and feelings that lacked approachability. And because of that, the statue should be taken down. Zyanna Bryant first gained notoriety for this activism as a very young high schooler in Robert E. Lee Park that is now Market Street Park. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Emancipation Park. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. What's it called? What's the park called? I have no idea. I don't know what the park's called. Is it either. Freedom Park? Freedom Park? Sorry, 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 sorry. I honestly don't Downtown know. Downtown Mall Park? What was it? Sorry. <clears throat> I don't at, know. Th- at this point, you might want to call it uh, 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 Tent Park. Ted Park? Yeah, there's like three or four tents set up there now. Dude, have you noticed that? Viewers and listeners, I, dude, I noticed that two days ago. Dude, set the stage about that. I mean, I don't know what stage there is to set. I've, I walk Liza once a day. I usually make my way to, uh, to that park and, uh, and walk through the park, let Liza look for scraps. Liza's the I Love Seville mascot, a rescue from caring for creatures, Judah's benevolent dog. And I'd say... Uh, it was probably, I think, beginning of this week, 
started seeing tents in the park, and uh, and it's it's a little bit odd. Deep Throat just laughed out loud with your tent park. Dude, I noticed for the first time the tents popping up in Lee Park. Sorry, 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 sorry. Emancipation, sorry, 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 sorry. Freedom Park, sorry, 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 sorry. Market Street Park, I noticed the tents popping up as well. It made me wax nostalgic of the Occupy Wall Street movement, a movement that lasted 59 days, a left-wing populist movement against economic inequality and the influence of money in politics, a movement that literally manifested itself in Charlottesville, Virginia during the fall of 2011. In the fall of 2011, Lee Park, sorry, Emancipation, no, Freedom, Marcus... This became Tent City. Were you in Charlottesville then? I was, but I wasn't aware of that going on. I mean, I just wasn't clued into something like that at the time. I would routinely, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a mall rat. I'm a downtown mall rat. I've been a downtown mall rat since 2000. I've seen the mall evolved over 23 years of pounding the bricks with my shoe leather. Getting into Miller's and rapture with fake IDs, a fake New Jersey ID that my buddies created in Dabney 101, to maturing, some would say, perhaps not, into a husband and a father of two. I am on the downtown mall literally five, some cases six days a week, and have been on the downtown mall five or six days a week for 23 years. In 2011, Judah, I'm going to tell a story. I'm going to paint the picture of what the Occupy Wall Street movement did to the Tent Park. Let's call it Tent Park. Okay. That's Judah's nickname, Tent Park. It created an epicenter of sleeping bags, an epicenter of Hmm. tents, an epicenter of campfires, an epicenter of lawlessness, an epicenter of filth, an epicenter of drug use and rampant drunkards and intravenous util needle usage. <clears throat> it created or festered sexual assaults and rapes. It created an ecosystem of the wild, wild west. The police left Tent Park alone (coughs) because it was occupied by activists. The extent of the policing was whistles being handed out to (coughs) those sleeping in Tent Park for a few weeks. Men and women were walking around naked in Tent Park. Men and women were not bathing in Tent Park. Men and women were getting blackout drunk and high on heroin and meth in Tent Park. (coughs) This was during the Chief Tim Longo era. Longo and the officers had the perimeter protected. But within Tent Park, it was lawlessness. Dave Norris, the mayor at the time. Carol Thorpe, you spoke before council as the head of the Tea Party during this. 
This was the Occupy Charlottesville movement, the Charlottesville branch of Occupy Wall Street. Eventually it got so bad, and what ended the Occupy Charlottesville movement and Lee Park, Ten Park, Emancipation Park, Market Street Park, Malaria, was the rapes. It was not the open-air drug market. It was not the lawlessness associated with drunkards and drug use and people walking around legitimately naked. I mean, seriously, Google, I'm going to bust out Google. Google Occupy Charlottesville 2011. You want to do the same. Occupy Charlottesville 2011, and then click the Images tab. Tom Daly, the talented photographer, took a photo of a naked female. Occupy Charlottesville 2011, naked. I'm doing it, and you will see what I'm talking about. Oh. These tents are popping up yet again. The panhandling and the homelessness is, is getting more significant. The folks that run the shelters, the overnight shelters, have said, we don't have enough beds. They also indicated that the need for these beds gets more significant, the demand for the beds, as the weather gets colder. Yeah. Stands to reason. So you could probably expect more tents popping up over there. Stanton, Virginia, one of Stanton's most prized civil servants, John Blair, watching the program, addressed panhandling and the safety of its fine and fair city at a meeting last night. And they're considering signage on the roads, in the medians, discouraging panhandling and the contribution to panhandlers. So would, the, so would the signs be for the motorists? Uh, yes. Rather than the... Because it's not like you can really discourage someone from... It would be for there. the motorists. Please don't feed the bears. Exactly. Instead, give the money to charities. That's what Stanton's considering. I'll say it once and I'll say it again, and I catch a lot of heat from the, uh, the keyboard warriors that hide behind meme account anonymity. The keyboard warriors that instead of voicing their opinion with their name next to it, they hide behind the anonymity of phony Instagram accounts. The Christopher Siemens of the world. Christopher Seaman is essentially a meme. By creating a fake URL, by taking someone's name and turning it into a URL, and creating nastiness online about someone running for a political position, he's... 
one man's opinion become a caricature? Like the guy that's on the art palette when you go to Bush Gardens or King's Dominion or Six Flags and an artist draws you on a palette, your face, and everything is exaggerated. Caricaturist. Taken out of context for the sake of humor. It's a meme. Stanton is getting ahead of the panhandling and the homelessness. I have yet to see city council address this. And that should concern all of us. City council is so... City council right now is so punch drunk with upzoning and the draft zoning ordinance and diversity, equity, and inclusion and affordable housing that city council cannot see through a clear lens that the true issues it has in front of its city are a lack of fiscal responsibility with taxpayer dollars, an inability to manage the homeless and panhandling population correctly, and a lack of being in touch with small business owners and their needs the same small business owners who create the ecosystem of incremental jobs and the taxpayer money that goes to making the city run. They would rather pursue government window dressing instead of actuality, policies and decision makings that keeps the city heading in the right direction. As soon as a few of these tents pop up and tent, mar- and tent Park, Market Street Park, Lee Park, Emancipation Park, Freedom Park, council should see them and say, no, that's a no-go. You know how you prevent that from happening? No. How about a curfew for the park? How about we empower our heroes, the men and women in blue, the Charlottesville Police Department, by allowing them to police the park with a curfew as their leverage. No one in the park after midnight. We saw that curfew during the Robert E. Lee statue removal and the politicking and campaigning and activism following or during its removal. There was a curfew put on during the park. There were cameras put up during the park that tracked and held people accountable for graffitiing the statues. As soon as those tents started showing themselves in Lee Park, Freedom Park, Emancipation Park, Market Street Park, Tent Park, the same procedure should have been put into place. And that's called leadership. It's called leadership. Being a leader is not all about popularity. Being a leader is about doing what's right for the populace in totality and not doing what is right for 82 people on Twitter. And speaking of Twitter, Zyanna Bryant and this Dove partnership, Judah, is the partnership imploding? I would say probably, if not at the very least, possibly. I mean, uh, they're, prob- they're definitely regretting their decision. Is this Bud Light? 
Bud Light 2.0. Is this Bud Light 2.0? You want to set the stage of what Bud Light did? Uh, not really, but uh, they they hired a questionable personage as their uh, as their spokesperson. And uh, why do you use the word questionable? Because looking at their demographic, there it is. I I'm not sure why they thought that was a. Uh, uh, well-considered decision. Who's Bud Light's demographic, Judah? <laughs> I mean, I have less information on that than somebody... Oh, who, come on, dude. I, you want Make to a say, statement. You want me to say NASCAR fans? Bud Light's demographic is men age 18 to 40. Okay. I'm not sure if I agree with that, but... Uh, Bud Light's demographic... What do you mean... <laughs> Do I have to agree with you, Jerry? Bud Light demographic. Let's do a Google. We're going to go to this brand profile. Bud Light's demographic is males 21 to 42. I just said they were males 18 to 40. Jerry got it right. Okay. And what did Bud Light do wrong when their demographic is this demo? They you work for a marketing, some... branding, and advertising agency. What did, from a branding, advertising, and marketing standpoint, did Bud Light do wrong? They chose someone as their uh, as their spokesperson that uh, essentially divided their divided their market and uh, turned half of them against them. Bud Light, and this is not about a stance on transgender. Bud Light chose a brand ambassador that was a trans person. And the ambassador they chose had tremendous collateral damage on Bud Light's market share. And now Bud Light, amongst its key demographic, males, anyone can Google this, 21 to 42, their key customers feel alienated. And it cost the company money. Did Dove Beauty pull Bud Light 2.0 by asking Charlottesville activist Zyanna Bryant to be its ambassador of a fat liberation campaign? Judah, your thoughts? Definitely. Especially after getting the... Uh uh, getting the attention of ex-owner Elon Musk. I mean, clearly they've made a poor decision here. And uh, I have no doubt it's going to bite them you know where. So you're saying Musk is the arbitrator of good or poor decisions? No. I didn't say that. But the fact that he is remarking on it, he's certainly got a, a bigger viewership, listenership than, uh, than anyone else who's going to comment on this. No doubt. It's certainly larger than Doves. Zyanna Bryan is an influencer, an ambassador, or an evangelist for Dove. Since that partnership was announced within the last 48 hours... The national and global media 
has responded with a vengeance. Put the second lower third on. Carol Thorpe, on screen, please. Carol Thorpe is a valued viewer and listener of this program. In fact, we have nicknamed Carol Thorpe the Queen of Jack Jewett because she lives in the Jack Jewett district and she routinely comments on the program. The Queen of Jack Jewett on Twitter. You find the Queen of Jack Jewett with the... In fact, I might have it right here. Carol Thorpe on Twitter yesterday put this on Twitter, the app known as X. After hearing that Dove Beauty chose Zyanna Bryant, who ruined Morgan Benninger's life for their fat acceptance ambassador, this lifelong large lady and now former Dove customer tossed out the last three bars of Dove products she will ever buy. I have written to Unilever, the parent company, as well. And she shows a picture of three Dove bars in the trash can next to a couple of red Solo cups and what appears to be a can of Dr. Pepper. Carol Thorpe, the queen of Jack Jewett, who comments on the program every day, I look forward to her perspective. Her tweet is now circulating in global news outlets. And as part of the basis, I'm talking Daily Mail, I'm talking New York Post, I'm talking USA Today. And now Dove finds itself in the crossfire. There's something in the water in Charlottesville, man. There is something under the ground. What is it with, with earthquakes? Is it the tectonic plates? Is that what they are? Tectonic plates, yeah. Tectonic plates? Are the tectonic plates in this community shifting and creating some kind of natural gas of crazy? Could be. Tent city, government officials more focused on Zoning, upzoning, the DEI instead of actual, actual key performance indicators like supporting small business owners, keeping taxes in check, getting school buses to people's houses on time and home on time. How about the, the stat, if you want to put this lower third up, Charlottesville schools are losing teachers quickly. How about this statistic for you, ladies and gentlemen? Google it. You'll find it yourself. The Virginia Joint Legislative Audit and Review Commission, J-L-A-R-C, the acronym, has published a recent report that says Charlottesville City Schools are struggling to hire and retain teachers in an extremely concerning clip. A teacher vacancy rate, the state average, 4.8%. Charlottesville City, 7.7%. Thank you, John. You too. The state average is 4.8%. 
Yet in Charlottesville City, the vacancy rate is 7.7%. Hold on. 4.8 vacancy, 7.7 for Charlottesville City. Now, there are a number of factors that influence that vacancy rate. Cost of living. Definitely. Compensation. How they are treated by students and parents. Quality of life. Support from leadership and administrators. All these are factors. But here we have what is arguably many media outlets call the best place to live in the world. Certainly the best place to live in America. How many outlets have called Charlottesville the best place to live in America? How many outlets have said this is one of the top five places to retire in the country? I mean, the list is so long, it's like a good child's Christmas list. Is there such a thing as a self-defeating prophecy? This is what Judah means by self-defeating prophecy. We get all the attention from these media outlets for all the awesome stuff in this community. All the reasons we live here, restaurants, music, downtown mall, breweries, wineries, hiking trails, jobs, technology, data science, ACC sports, shopping, outdoors, history. And we tout them. And we do such a good job of touting them that the media picks it up. And the media picks it up and writes stories about them, which then drives what? Out-of-towners with bags of money, Scrooge McDuck spitting gold coins out of their mouth, pushing gentrification at aggressive clips that other communities with less amenities do not experience. Is that what you meant? More or less, yeah. I think that is undoubtedly a factor. Well said, Judah. Michael Buchensky asked, are these teachers going from public to private schools? Some. Some are just leaving, I think. There it is. There it is. And you ask, what do you mean some are just leaving the profession? Think about what a teacher does. A teacher's skill set is scalable to a number of different fields. Jason Howard says it's a victim. We're a victim of our own success. Remember yesterday when Judah Wickhauer and I were looking for that word? If you had Segura panels on your roof and you try to close your house, you try to take your house to closing, and, 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 and the panels by Segura, now that it's out of business and the warranty is null and void, that you, you, you may have this white elephant, I called it. That wasn't the right word. The red herring, that wasn't the right word. And we were both searching for it. Probably three dozen viewers and listeners sent us emails or DMs or text messages and said, Jerry, the word you were looking for was albatross. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, that was the word, albatross. It's a good one. Quagmire is another one. But I think albatross is more applicable. A quagmire is more of a problem. Where an albatross is something that is proverbially hung around your neck. Yeah. That you can't shake. It's a curse. It's a curse. Quagmire is just kind of like a... Uh, it's a problem in front of you. Well, it's like a swamp or a, or a quicksand that gets you stuck and mired and, and unable to move forward. 
we become victims of our own success. You know who's more punch drunk with themselves than anybody I've ever seen? And I, I'm, I'm going to lead the charge on that. Charles Villians. Charles Villians, we are punch drunk with Charlottesville. Charlottes Villians, and Charlottes Villians is a term, Charlottesville residents, Almaro County residents, many of us that live in central Virginia, I'll, I'll call Charlottes Villians. We are so punch drunk with ourselves. And we love to champion Charlottesville City as being world class. Good Lord, it's on the, it's on the, trans, it's on the buses. It's on the transportation buses. It literally says world-class city on it. The people that drive the buses, the people that did the branding on the buses, put world-class city on their own freaking buses. Who's more punch-drunk with Charlottesville than Charlottesvillians themselves? And I lead that charge. Victims of our own success. And that success is creating gentrification at massive and significant clips. That success is creating an epicenter of hedge funds and family offices with obscene amount of money in this town. I was out and about this morning. My wife and I, we went, we went to the Bradbury. We got, I got to work at 7.35 this morning, Judah. And my wife, after dropping our oldest off at school, stopped by work and we met for a little husband and wife time. Of course, our youngest, our nine, nine and a half, how old is he? Nearly 10 month old, was on her chest. My wife is a superstar. She's got the baby carrier. You've seen the baby carrier where you could wear your kid, wear your kid on your chest. It's a modern day papoose. What do you call that now? Papo- Come again? Papoose. It's a papoose? Yeah. Like a caboose? Not even slightly. What's a papoose? I've never heard that word in my life. Uh, I'd say it's the precursor to what you're talking about. It was basically like, like a... Like a kangaroo pouch? A little bit. I think it was... I, I, a papoose? How do you spell that? I would guess it was P-A-P-O-O-S-E. P-A-P-O-O-S-E. Ooh, papoose. I have never heard that word in my life. Papoose. Not the rapper. The rapper? <laughs> known professionally as Papoose is American rapper, well-known for his freestyle and prolific mixtapes. My wife was not wearing Papoose the rapper on her chest. Look up uh, Ad Baby Carrier after Papoose. Oh, okay. Sorry. It's not, it's not this gentleman with, go, with the gold chain in this picture, right? Uh, I oh, a papoose is an indigenous baby or young child of North America. Uh, it's not an indigenous child. That's what it says on dictionary.com. Dictionary.com. Papoose. P-A-P-O-O-S-E. It's a noun. And in fact, it says this word is offensive. I've never heard this word in my life. It says this word is offensive. Offensive. Are you teaching what viewers you, and listeners of this fine up? and fair talk show an offensive what, word? What did you look up? What you told me. I went to dictionary, merriamwebster.com, and I typed in P-A-P-O-O-S-E. Oh, I just Googled it. Um, the British word is a baby carrier that yeah. usually consists of a cloth pouch wrapper sling worn around the torso. I think that's probably what you meant. I think that probably is what I meant. <laughs> okay, all right, thank you. We had uh, 
<clears throat> we had some uh, some some neighbors in Santa Barbara who were Hmong, which are a uh, an indi- indigenous group from I believe uh, uh, Vietnam and Cambodia, that area, and uh, we had they'd given my parents some you know several like. Basically, quilted uh, quilted fabrics. Deep Throat says it's a sling. Sarah Hill Buchinski yeah. says I thought it was a Native American child carrier. Yeah, basically. What's and the plural of papoose? Papise? Papai? Papooses? I would guess the last one. Papooses or papai or papoor? Is it papi? Uh, I think if you just keep guessing, you'll eventually. Uh, go completely off the rails. She's wearing the baby carrier on her chest. We go to the Bradbury, which was the old Prime 109 Steakhouse. They have spudnut donuts that are as, as good as the original spudnuts that is now the quality pie. She gets a latte. I get an iced coffee. And we're enjoying some husband and wife time with our 10-month-old and a papoose. And we get stopped randomly by my mentor, probably talking about a nine-figure net worth. You know Bill. He was in here a couple weeks ago, right? We helped him with the project. We then see one of my buddies with one of the family offices around here a colleague with one of the hedge funds around here, a developer on a yellow scooter without a helmet with his white locks and his Santa Claus beard blowing in the wind as he jettisons down Market Street on a moped. Okay. Within a five-minute period of time, My wife and I, she enjoying a latte, me enjoying an iced coffee, and our 10-month-old nearly in a papoose, we come across five, I'm going to do a very realistic and conservative number here. It's called 125, 350, I'd say 2.2 billion within five minutes. 2.2 billion totality, the encounters we had within five minutes. 2.2 billion what? Net worth. Oh, gotcha. The people encountered. Within five minutes of coming out of the Bradbury. Okay. How many cities in America can say that? Now, there are plenty out there but not many of them have a population of under 50,000 people. You're going to say San Francisco. You're going to say Manhattan. You'll say Los Angeles. You may say Austin. You'll say Miami. But how many with a population under 50,000? What's Greenwich, Connecticut's population? Greenwich's population is, according to Wikipedia, roughly 64,000 people. 
Jackson Hole and Aspen are great examples. What's Jackson Hole's population? You look up Aspen's population. You look up Aspen's population. Damn, that's a great one. <coughs> Jackson Hole, great suggestion, Deep Throat. 10,849 people. He says 6,000 year round. In 2021, the population count for Jackson Wyoming was 10,849. What's Aspen? You got that one? Yeah, less than 7,000. <coughs> there you go. But Deep Throat, I'll push back on that. And you know this better than I do. Are the year-round, is the year-round population the wealthy? <coughs> because I think it's the visitors that are the wealthy. Aspen, the year-round population is not the wealthy, it's the visitors. Southampton, New York. I mean, not the visitors. A uh, did I invert it? Aspen. It's the visitors that are wealthy, not the year round. Yeah, it's the uh, the ski instructors <laughs> and the, Gosh, the hairdressers and the people who do the nails. My point is Charlottesville City. These are year round residents. That's my point. Mm -hmm. These are Charlottesville City. Take Southampton, New York. The Hamptons. Southampton, during the season, looks very different during the off-season. My favorite time to visit Southampton is the off-season. Because there's no cityites. That's what they're called. Cityites. Manhattanites. Yeah. Everybody's got names for stuff like that and... Portland, Maine, we called uh, people from Massachusetts mass holes. Mass holes? Yeah. That was not a profanity to my missus right there. You used an M, mass holes. <laughs> that was not a profanity. Deethro does say that in Jackson Hole, the service workers do not live in Jackson Hole, nor do they live in Aspen for the most part. Yeah, that's probably true. Viewers and listeners, I'm going to get to your comments here. Probably because it's gone farther than Charlottesville has, and it's no longer affordable for anyone but the richest. What's that? I think that was a good statement. I just did not hear it. Uh, I was saying that that's, as, as he was saying, it's probably not the service people that actually live there year-round. And that's because I think that those, a lot of those places have gone beyond where Charlottesville is and are now no longer affordable for any but the richest. Here's the problem that's happening. And this was a comment made in Real Talk with Keith Smith by an elected official who asked not to be named. This elected official said, Albemarle County and Charlottesville City are going in two very different directions. Charlottesville City is trying to create density through policy change, specifically upzoning. Where Albemarle County at the last Board of Supervisors meeting, it was very clear that the supervisors are not going to expand the 5% development area. So Albemarle County will be constrained where housing can go to 5% of all of Albemarle County. Let me get Albemarle County, Virginia landmass. See how many acres we got. 726 square miles. 
local government is trying to constrain development in Almora County to 5% to the urban ring right around Charlottesville City. The ring right around Charlottesville City, Almora County, is trying to constrain development to. Developmental area. So you have this You have this friction occurring between, that, between government. And this friction that's occurring between government is making real estate bonkers. Charlottesville City is land constrained. It's only 10.2 square miles. Mm-hmm. The county that surrounds it is 726 square miles. Charlottesville realizes that it cannot grow anymore. It created a revenue sharing agreement where it limited its growth potential It is what it is, in the words of Al Groh, 10.2 square miles. So it's doing everything it could possibly can to put housing in every nook and cranny of that area. But it's run out. And Admiral County is saying, we're only going to allow the development in this urban ring. And we're not going to allow it to expand into the remaining 95% of the county. So you have this point of friction. You have this dichotomy. A division or contrast between two things that are or represented as being opposed or entirely different. Almoro County and how it looks at land use and development and Charlottesville City and how it looks at land use and development that's a dichotomy. If Albemarle and Charlottesville City looked at land use and development with a lens of unification, you would have much more affordability. You'd have much more ubiquitous and relied upon transportation. You'd have much better policing. I'm not throwing shade to police but you basically have three policing departments servicing the same area. Almaro, Charlottesville City, the University Police Department. Heck, throw in the Virginia State Troopers. You got four. How many, public tra- how many transportation departments out, are out there? You got CAT. You got Jaunt. You got University Transit Service. You got the Almaro school buses, the Charlottesville school buses. Why don't we just have the Central Virginia Transportation Service? One transportation brand and infrastructure that handles public transportation for Almaro and Charlottesville. Call it Blue Ridge Transportation. Perfect segue to the Blue Ridge Venture Fund. If you want to supercharge your business, the Blue Ridge Venture Fund will supercharge your business. I am connecting business owners that need capital with high net worth individuals that are looking to infuse capital into said businesses. We also offer them office space, branding and advertising services, and our supply chain of attorneys, accountants, engineers, architects, 
fixers. Blue Ridge Venture, fun. We are victims of our own success. And where we will see the success really erode is with the labor that services the amenities we love. It's with the labor that provides the schooling for our children. Not to mention the police, the fire department. Talk to me, Judah. Take it anywhere you want to go, Judah. I wasn't going to take it very far. I just talk to me, Judah. There are uh, love when you talk. Anybody not in one of those uh, one of those high uh, high paying jobs is going to is going to be feeling it around here. Charlottesville has become the scion, the offspring, the baby, the child of. Aspen fornicating with Austin, fornicating with Greenwich, Connecticut. Greenwich, Connecticut. Austin, Texas. And Aspen had a menage a trois. And they forgot the raincoat. And out came Charlottesville nine months later. Wow. How's that for a metaphor? How's that for a mental image? I, th- I think it still falls into what I promised my wife of PG-13. I think that's still PG-13. You don't think that's PG-13? <laughs> Mom, I promised they, her why PG-13. are they wearing raincoats? What? Mom, why are they not wearing raincoats? Any mom that's streaming this in her vehicle joking. can figure out how to change raincoat. What does Jerry mean by, what does Mr. Miller mean by menage a trois and raincoat? <laughs> well, son, there's going to be a significant storm on the Sometimes horizon. Sometimes in life. <laughs> Sometimes in life, the weather gets severe and you need to wear protection for your clothes. There you go, folks. So your future is not impacted. Speaking truth to power. I think that was still PG-13. Charlottesville, Virginia is the menage a trois baby (laughs) of Aspen, Greenwich, and Austin. (laughs) I mean, wow. (laughs) I think that's... And here's why you have Almoro County teachers fighting for union rights and why Charlottesville teachers and Charlottesville public school employees fought for union rights and had success and why Almoro public school employees are fighting for union rights. Because they want to get paid more? They're trying to fight tooth and nail to live in the jurisdiction that they work within. A lot of us are. But it would be nice if you worked in an industry that had that type of uh, had unions, right? Not everybody works in a 
can work in an industry that has a union that can help them raise their wages. I mean, technically, Virginia is a right-to-work state. If the teachers want to, they can become the Mr. Bill Mooncatchy and go out on their own. And Bill Mooncatchy... Yeah, to be fair, anyone can. ...is now charging a buck twenty-five... Well, will eventually charge one twenty-five an hour to work one-on-one with one student. Anyone can go out on their own and make more money, but take on a lot more risk. I didn't have any, I went out on my own. I was 27 years old, making heavy six figures, working 70 hours a week for the Daily Progress, ESPN Radio, NBC 29, and freelancing for any outlet that was sending a sports team to UVA. Any college or university sending a sports team to UVA. Deep six figures. And I gave all that up to start a company and I didn't have a client for six months. Legitimately, Judah. Mm -hmm. We still on a two shot? I believe so. I want you to hear me out. You, Judah Wickhauer, can go out on your own right now. And the risk you have is what happened to me of having zero revenue for six months. I took my life savings to start the business and then watch what I thought would be a successful company after putting my life savings on the line and nothing materialized for six months. I had to take the two other, I lived in a three-bedroom, two-bath condo at the time that's now a rental, and had to rent the two rooms just to not lose the house and default on the mortgage. It was that bad. Mm-hmm. Stealing money from the Panda Garden, stealing food from the Panda Garden buffet, scraping food off my plate into Ziploc bags, or only eating a double cheeseburger for the entire day, a dollar and three cents for McDonald's at the time from the dollar menu. When my friends weren't looking, lifting up the sofa cushions to find change in their sofas at their houses. If anyone thinks entrepreneurship is sexy and entrepreneurship is lucrative, it can be, eventually. Out of the gates? Come on. You want it to be sexy out of the gates? Lucrative out of the gates, buy a competitor and take their membership roles and make sure they're part of your business from day one. Chad Wood says, I'm getting close to R-rated and close to four-letter words. Still PG-13, though. Still PG-13. We got a Virginia football team that's not helping out. Those small business owners that have just started their operations, that are looking for a cash infusion with home football games, you got a Virginia football team that's 0-2. Tonight, they play Maryland on Fox Sports 1. 
The Terrapins are 15-point favorites. The game is in College Park. The over-under is at 47.5. If UVA football gets blown out by the Terrapins on national TV after getting blown out by Nashville, by, by the Tennessee Volunteers in Nashville on, on, on national TV, after losing a nail-biter to JMU on national TV, Tony Elliott's hot seat will be roasting. Roasting. And I want to close with talk about this school board race. You can get Spud Nuts, Stephanie Wells Rhodes at the Bradbury on the downtown mall. The old Prime 109 Steakhouse, the old Bank of America building. They legitimately have spud nuts there. Fresh made day of. A potato cake donut. That's decadent and delicious. Downright delectable. I like the alliteration. I think people will know. I listen to the show that I like the alliteration. Yeah. Oh, Chad Wood, I think his seat's going to be really hot. <coughs> Judah, the viewers and listeners have asked for some commentary from you. Okay. Michael Buchensky says he wants to sit in Judah's chair. I said there's only one chair for J-Dubs. We've got other chairs. Now is your time to shine for the Juan Sarmientos of the world, for the Carly Wagners of the world. Oh, is this the end of the show? Is this the... uh, I just can't let you forget. Go ahead. And my voice is killing me. All right. You use my voice so aggressively every week. Show is yours. All right. Let's see. Um, You know, I brought up the the tent park, and uh, it's... I've got to say it's it's a little bit uh, disconcerting, but in defense of them, I've I've never had any problems with them. I've never felt threatened by any of them. And the other day, I was walking along the outside of the park, and one of them gave Liza, my dog, an entire burger that he'd gotten at uh, at I believe at Haven. Hold on a second. Let me understand something. Okay. Someone living in a tent in a park, right? Yeah. I mean, got a free burger from a shelter. And instead of eating the burger, he gave the burger to your dog. Yeah. <coughs> is far, that what you're saying? As far as I know. Does anyone have a problem with that? Liza didn't. <laughs> no, I'm sure Liza was quite happy. The Haven, who has limited, the, the Haven, which has limited resources, gave free food to a person who has no home and no money, and that person took the free food that it got from the Haven that has limited resources, and instead of even eating it, gave the entire burger to your dog. That's what you're saying. Is that what you're saying? 
that's that's my guess. It's not like I, it's not like I watched him uh, get it at the Haven. It's not that I. Well, the Haven's across the street. Yeah. I've also never seen the guy before, so I, you know, I. Couldn't. He lives in a tent in a park. I never said that. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Okay. What did you say? I said as I was walking Liza around the edge. Uh, one of the guys in the park. I don't know him. I don't know who he is. I, I've never gone up to the tents and like taken pictures of the people there, so I, I couldn't identify. But any. you did say you thought that the burger was from the Haven. Yeah. And he took limited resources from a shelter and gave those limited resources to your dog. I'm sure that not. That's I'm what sh- you just said. And I'm okay. sure that not everybody that gets food at the Haven eats every last bite of it. Uh, well, you, you said it was an entire burger. Yeah. So it gave the entire burger. Right. So this is not about eating. He didn't eat any of the burger. Sure. Okay. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Yep, there you go. Okay, keep going. No. Oh. I'm I'm done. <laughs> no, please. I I that I I made my point. I mean, at least I tried to. What was the point? Oh. Well, let me start at the beginning. While I've been through the park and it is disconcerting to see people in tents and having tents in this small little park, I've never felt threatened by anyone there. I've never been accosted by anyone there. I've never been called names by anyone there. I know we talk a lot on this show about people causing trouble and swearing and being generally uh, uh, obstreperous. <laughs> that was good. Uh, it's scary. The first time I think that word's ever been on YouTube. On the, the downtown show. mall, I have never had any problems with any of the people in the park. Uh, and. You know, I, I don't know what else to say. Uh, I, I don't think any of them are. I, I think this is a, these are different people than some of the, uh, the people that definitely need uh, mental help who have been seen on the downtown mall yelling at people and causing trouble. And uh, do you think the people should be living in tents in a public park? Do I think they should? Ideally, no. They would have a place to live, but uh, it is a public park, right? I mean, Virginia has this basically written into its uh, laws, correct? Uh, They could put a curfew on the park. They've done it in the past. Fair enough. A curfew can be put on the park. I explained during the R.E. Lee... Would you rather they put their tents up on the downtown mall? That's already happening. Is it? Yeah. I've never seen a tent on the downtown mall. But then I'm I'm not usually walking around the downtown mall at night. You should get to work when I get to work at times at 6 a.m. Okay. It's not going to happen, but... uh, Well, I I know it's not. (laughs) Jude arrives to work Monday through Friday at 9.30 a.m. His hours are 9.30 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. Thus, by his choice, I'd like, I'd like to start the workday at 9 a.m. Would you like to do 9.30 or 9 a.m. start? I don't know. 
What's your preference? I mean, we don't have to talk about it on air. I, we've slowly migrated. Uh, I would like to start at 8.30. I get here between 6 and 7. Sometimes 7.30. Our kids wake us up at 6, 8, you know, all hours of the day. We, we, we do 9.30 because you like mornings aren't your cup of tea. Not a morning person. You've told me that. So we adapted the hours. I would encourage any of the viewers and listeners watching this program, if you want to see the downtown mall like you've never seen it before, check out the downtown mall after the bars close and up until 6 a.m. You will see the downtown mall like you've never seen it before. I would say that's between 2.30 a.m. and 6 a.m. And you will see them all like you've never seen before. There's many a tent on the downtown mall. There are tents in the overhangs of buildings on the downtown mall. The entryway to restaurants on the downtown mall. Cardboard box houses on the downtown mall. They're already, it's already happening here. So would I rather it be in the park or the downtown mall? Are those my only options? I don't know. Vanessa Parkhill, people should not be living in tents in a public park. It is a park. It is not a campground. That's fair. Carly Wagner, I've provided and served food at the Haven before. Food is abundant. And the mission of the Haven and those volunteering would totally endorse someone gifting their food. It may have been that person got far more fulfillment seeing the dog eat the burger than eating the burger himself. That was my take as well. Thank you. Grayson, I have seen the downtown mall. I go running before I leave for work often in the 530 range on the downtown mall. Jerry is right. It's a completely different downtown mall. Kelsey, people should not be living in a public park. This is not an RV or campground. Jennifer, people should not be living in a public park. I totally agree with getting more work done before 7 a.m. Lonnie Murray, the tricky thing about housing affordability and perhaps the elephant in the room is that everyone wants everyone else's home to be affordable, but when you sell yours, then you do not want it to be affordable. You would rather get way more than what it's worth so you get paid. I also want to emphasize this. Just because someone doesn't want an apartment complex next to their house doesn't make that person a bad person. Right. If someone owns a home and they don't want an apartment building down the street from them, they are not a bad person, nor should they be made to feel bad. If anyone thinks that an apartment complex down the street from their house is going to drive value for that person's house, you are not living in today's reality. 
Undoubtedly, it will impact the values of homes. Having an apartment complex on your street, around the corner, next to, or down the block. Jason Howard. Papusas are delicious Salvadorian cuisine. Mm, they are. Thank you now. I am very hungry. Yeah. I appreciated your first-hand perspective of the burger, Tent Park, Liza's, Liza licking her chops, and your commentary and conversation on today's show. I thought you did a fabulous, fabulous job. Ginny Hu. I was a Bud Light drinker for 28 years. I have not had a Bud Light, nor have I purchased a Bud Light since the first weekend in April, and that's because they doubled down and insulted their base, and I drank it for 28 years. Ginny Hu. I think we, sh we should call it the park formerly known as Lee. Does it get a symbol? That's a, that's a nod to Prince, isn't it? I think so. That's hilarious. That's clever. Warrior AG. Most county and city parks are closed from sundown to sunup and have signage stating as much. Warrior AG, thank you for that comment. Warrior AG, the city of Waynesboro already has these signs in place, and for the love of Charlottesville JM, don't give them credit by calling them keyboard warriors. They are more like keyboard punks and should be addressed as such, please. He's talking about the folks that like to post anonymously on social media. Instead of giving their commentary next to their name on their actual account, they create phony accounts to try to smear people. The dregs. Or we call them the Siemens. Johnny Arnalis, a service tech from Fitch, just told me he was having lunch at the Guadalajara downtown and they saw a guy take a poop in plain view. That guy said lunch was done immediately after seeing the homeless man take a poop in plain view of a packed Guadalajara dining patio. No doubt. And that, ladies and gentlemen is an absolute travesty. Johnny Ornalis, thank you for sharing that. The travesty is not your comment. The travesty instead is the fact that we live in a world-class city where people are taking, are defecating in front of a packed lunchtime downtown patio. We also live in a world-class city where there's not really anywhere to go to the bathroom. Not sure what you mean by that. That's pretty self-explanatory. There's mean, a public bathroom in York Place on the downtown mall. How many people know about that, though? The city released a statement about it. Okay. How I was raised, you don't poop on the side of the street. Did your, were you raised differently than that? I don't remember that specific lesson, but uh, I, I was... Growing up, I knew that that wasn't really the thing that you did. My, my mom and dad said, sons, don't poop in public. <laughs> poop in toilets. They had to teach you guys that. 
Most parents teach their children to poop in toilets. It's how they transition from diapers. It's called potty training. <laughs> okay. Isn't that what potty training is? It is. You take the diapers off <clears throat> and you poop in the toilet. Yeah. I wasn't arguing that part of it. I was just surprised that your parents had to teach you guys specifically not to poop outside. Johnny Arnalis, one of the owners of the Guadalajara's out there, said, I'm sure this gentleman could have walked inside to Guadalajara. They would not have minded if he pooped in the toilet as opposed to pooping in front of their customers. I think that's probably a safe bet. I think that's probably... Pass that on to you there. <laughs> I think that's probably the best comment of this last little... Uh, he passed that on to you. Mm-hmm. That there are bathrooms that you can go to the bathroom in. Yeah. Guys, this past week, if we go on a one-shot and I'll close. This past week of the I Love Seville show, um, Judah and I have worked extremely hard on we cover commentary and topics and stories that are raw and real, authentic, and applicable. And there's one common denominator with covering all of this is it's through a lens of honesty and authenticity. I sleep very well at night because when I get to work at sometimes before sunrise and head home sometimes past sunset, I know that I put every aspect of work and passion and focus and honesty into my day. I tell my son, a kindergartner, every night before bed, I love you, I'm proud of you, make good decisions, and be the best version of yourself. And I try to go about those four tenets or that mantra myself. So when you are out and about in central Virginia, in Charlottesville, and Almore County, or this region that we love so, so, so dearly. I encourage you to show love, to make your family proud, To make good decisions and be the best version of yourself. For Judah Wickhauer, my name is Jerry Miller.